Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge's online worship. I'm Associate Pastor Jonathan Lucia, and this week I will be continuing our summer series called Summer Light. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Stonebridge. Starting the first weekend in September, Stonebridge will be launching a new fall series called The Moses Legacy. The Moses Legacy will insightfully journey through the essential parts of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. Whether in person or by Zoom, experience your own spiritual blessing by facilitating a fall growth group or planting a new one. No prior experience is necessary. Sign up by emailing info at stonebridgecme.com. If you have any questions, please contact the church office. This past week, we launched a special five-week podcast series called Stonebridge Essentials. Pastor John talked about the importance of theology, what it means, and what happens when it goes wrong. Next week, Pastor John will discuss the Nicene Creed, its history and importance, and how it's relevant in today's world. Episodes are available every Tuesday within the Stonebridge podcast. Kids Church will be celebrating the start of the new school year on Saturday, August 14th at 5.30. This will be a party your kids won't want to miss. We'll have a bouncy house, carnival games, and pinatas. We'll welcome our new kindergartners into the elementary classroom and wish our new sixth graders the best as they move up into the youth group. Stonebridge has a job opening for a full-time youth and family ministries director. If you or someone you know would be interested in this position, please contact the church office. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello, Stonebridge. This weekend, I am continuing our message series called Summer Light, catering to the last-minute getaways that inevitably happen every year in August. The Summer Light series is made up of standalone messages. If you miss a weekend, just pop back in the following weekend, and you'll have no reason to feel like you've missed out on anything. This weekend, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14. Now, the book of Proverbs is part of the Bible's Old Testament, and Proverbs is part of a series of books in the Old Testament known as the wisdom literature. Tradition tells us that the wisdom literature, and more specifically, the book of Proverbs, came into being under King Solomon's reign. That would have been about 950 BC. After last weekend, I became so intrigued with Proverbs chapter 26, recognizing that there was so much more that could be discovered here, uh, that I decided that for this weekend, we would look at chapter 26, verse 14. For those who were in attendance last weekend, in order to remind us of what we learned, I'm going to include verse 13 this week. But I assure those who weren't here with us last weekend that this weekend's message focuses solely on Proverbs verse 14. So here's this weekend's scripture. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13 and 14. A sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. Verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, 
so a sluggard turns in bed. Let's pray. Loving God, as we turn our attention to your Holy Scripture today, we would pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would be leading us and guiding us so that we would better understand your word for us, and that by engaging in your word, our lives would be transformed because of it. May the words of my mouth, may our thoughts and meditations be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. It's important to understand that today's scripture calls out the sluggard. By putting the spotlight on the sluggard, today's scripture also inadvertently describes the diligent servant. By exposing the slugger, today's scripture also inadvertently describes the faithful servant. In the book Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis writes, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Now, in case you missed it, this is the Englishman's version of a slam. Boom, drop the mic. So let me say it in American. Our human desires are not too strong, but instead are too weak. It's not that we desire bad things too much, it's that we don't desire good things enough, which too easily introduces the first point of today's message. The first point of today's message is this. The sluggard moves, but only towards comfort. The, the sluggard moves only towards comfort. As the door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard rolls over in bed. For quite some time, I've been prayerfully contemplating an idea. And the idea is this. Throughout the Bible, idolatry is mentioned. Idolatry is addressed. Idolatry is discouraged and condemned. I, I think of the uh, impatience of the Hebrew people while Moses was at the mountaintop. I think of Aaron's leadership failure, caving in to the people's desire for immediate gratification going so far as creating a plan, collecting the gold, molding it into a golden calf, symbolic of precious fertility and supposed strength, but ultimately falling far short of God's own strength. They thought this would fulfill their spiritual void. Like children eating mud pies in a slum because they cannot imagine a king's banquet. So, Subsequently, my mind turns to other scriptures. For example, the first commandment, Exodus chapter 20. The first commandment reads, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or on earth or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. 
So now I turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament, where the Apostle Paul uh, addresses the church in Galatia. He writes, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to idols, who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? What I appreciate about this scripture is that Paul does not deny the fact that idols can have a power over our lives. So, let me first define idolatry. So, we humans were created to be in relationship with God. And because of our fallen world and because of sin in our lives, uh, we are separated from God and we have a spiritual void in our lives. And anytime we turn to other things to fill that void, uh, that can be idolatry. Anytime we try to fill the void with anything other than God, uh, those things can grow and become idols in our lives. And so, it's as if we have, uh, looking for comfort in our lives, uh, looking for escape, filling our lives with things that are not of God, it's as if we've stepped into a, a jail cell and we've closed the door behind us and instead of the lock being on the outside of the door, the, the lock is on the inside of the door and we're the ones that have closed the door and pulled the key and, and trapped ourselves in. Paul does not deny in the scripture that, that the things that we falsely place our comfort in try to fill that void, uh, spiritual void. Uh, he does not deny that these things actually do have power over us. Over us. They, they influence the way we think, the way we feel, and ultimately can influence our behavior as well. Like the sluggard whose only effort is to seek the comfort of rolling over, chasing after slumber, so too do we chase after our own idols of comfort at the expense of what's best. So, I've been contemplating this idea of our comforts. I've been contemplating this idea that our comforts are oftentimes our idols. The quote previously mentioned by C.S. Lewis includes drink, sex, and worldly ambitions. But what more might we add to this list? Recreational drugs? Uh, we know from national headlines over the last several years, our, our nation's addiction to fentanyl and oxycontin. But if that's too extreme, um, how about things that may be closer to home? How about overeating? Or shopping? I, I know a, a, a woman who um, finds her comfort in escaping out of her house and going to the mall and shopping. Now, you'd think that's pretty innocent until the credit cards started catching up with her. How about binge-watching television? How about misplacing our self-esteem in our children, or in our careers, or in status symbols? Now, full disclosure, I find great comfort in coffee. I love coffee. 
I get up in the morning excited to make coffee and drink it. I go downstairs, I get the bag of beans out, I, I put it in, in, in the grinder, and I grind the coffee beans, I, I get my French press out, I boil the water. There's a whole process to it, right? But, but that's not the best part. The best part is when I've perfectly mixed my cup of coffee with my sugar and my cream. It's perfectly got balanced with all those, those ingredients. And then I sit down and there's just about 20 minutes in the morning where I've got the morning news on and I'm, I'm just drinking my coffee. I, I, there are times when I hold it to my face. I, I, I just love it, <laughs> right? Now that's a comfort. Is it idolatry? Anytime we find comfort in things other than God that distracts us and takes us away from God or, or hurts ourselves or hurts others, we need to question whether it's idolatry. The sluggard moves towards comfort as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns in bed. The, the servant, on the other hand, in contrast, the servant moves towards what's best. Moving towards what's best for us involves surrendering to the truth that what is best is inevitably linked to God. What's best is inevitably linked to God's love for us and God's purpose for our lives. Moving towards what's best for each and every one of us involves recognizing that finding our comfort in our own personal idols is inevitably uh, going to distract us, is inevitably going to divert us away from God and God's love for us and God's purpose for us. The sluggard moves towards comfort. The servant moves towards what's best. So, in an exercise of self-awareness, I want to challenge you to prayerfully identify those things in your life that you rely on for comfort. Prayerfully consider those things that you rely on for comfort that are not of God. All right, second point of today's message. The sluggard moves but makes no progress. The servant progresses towards fruitfulness. I, I love the sarcasm in today's scripture, uh, this idea of rolling over in bed. Right? It's, you know, the, the, the slugger just rolls over in bed. It's movement, but it's not progress. You might know somebody like this, someone who keeps really busy, but it always looks as if they're getting nothing done. It's the same idea. Now, spiritually speaking, progressive movement projects us forward. Spiritually speaking, progressive movement projects us, projects us towards fulfilling our God-given purposes. Now, you may be thinking, well, what is God's given purpose for my life? If you don't know what your God-given purpose is for your life, I, I want to suggest something for you. And in an effort to save time, I want to suggest that you find and get your hands on Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. I'm not going to overpromise that it's going to answer all of your questions in your effort to figure out God's purpose for your life, but I think it'll provide a sound foundation uh, for getting started on that journey. And what I love about Rick Warren's books are that they're easily readable. Rick Warren's book, A Purpose Driven Life. The sluggard moves but makes no progress. The servant progresses towards fruitfulness. 
The servant progresses towards fruitfulness, and that's what I want to spend a little more time talking about with you today. Let me break it down for you. In John chapter 15, one of Jesus' many teachings is recorded. In John chapter 15, Jesus uses the agricultural language of the vineyard to describe what God expects from our lives. And no surprise, it's an expectation of fruitfulness. God desires our legacy to be that we bear good fruit. So I'm going to look at some selected verses from John chapter 15. Jesus taught, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Let me stop there. Many of us in our yards have trees. We have trees that provide shade, um, and, and even some of us might even have uh, some, some fruit trees, uh, maybe some citrus trees. We're in Southern California after all. So, uh, an orange tree, a lemon tree, um, an avocado. Um, so, right, so uh, in our backyard, we have a hill, uh, and it's the bane of our gardening existence at our house. And um, we've been trying to nurture some fruit trees back there. One of them is a, a lemon tree. And I'm exaggerating. Honestly, it's, it's right now, it's more like a lemon bush, and we've been nurturing it for like two years. Um, and so there are times when I'm looking at it, and, and there are times, uh, in, especially in this last year, where we've gotten a couple lemons on it, and they're small little lemons, and I'll go up there, and like I'm looking at that tree, and I can tell, you know, I so desire to get a good lemon off of this tree, and then I recognize that on that, even as small as it is, there'll be a branch that has nothing going on. Uh, in fact, the last time I looked at that, there was actually a branch that actually looked dead. So, right? I go, I, I get the loppers out, and I, I clip that off. I don't want any of the tree's energy to be misdirected. Uh, to, I want all of the tree's energy to be directed to that, even in this case, that one lemon, so that the, the, <laughs> my lemon bush can bear some fruit. That's what Jesus is talking about here. God cuts off every branch in me, Jesus says, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it would be even more fruitful. Verse 3, John chapter 15, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Let me just stop right there, right? I've never cut off a branch from any tree and thrown it on the, the ground and left it there for two weeks expecting it to grow and bear fruit, right? Jesus goes on in, in, in verse 3, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Then he brings it home in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. The servant progresses towards fruitfulness. Okay, got it? Well, we've got it, but what does it mean to bear fruit in our lives? Uh, literally, <laughs> right, I'm not going to bear a lemon or an avocado. Uh, what does it mean for us to bear fruit in our lives? Well, I'm going to connect two scriptures in the New Testament, and I'm connecting John 
chapter 15, and I'm going to connect it to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And the, and, and the key word that, that ties these scriptures together is the word fruit. Jesus has been talking about bearing good fruit, and in Galatians chapter 5, written by Paul, Paul writes, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the things that God desires to cultivate in our lives, these characteristics, these virtues. So, so, so let, let me explain. Jesus is uh, known and identified as and called the Lamb of God. Jesus is the final atonement, uh, the final sacrifice, not only to save the nation of Israel, but to save the world. And when we place our faith in, in God's uh, marvelous work through his son, Jesus, then the Holy Spirit uh, fills us. And, and, and the Bible teaches that, that as God's Spirit fills us, God goes to work within our spirits, basically um, pruning us, uh, taking away our desire for those things that lead to self-destruction or the destruction of our relationships with others. God starts pruning those things away, and God starts cultivating these characteristics like love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, uh, growing us to fruitfulness. God's at work in us. And so, in an exercise of self-awareness, I, I want to encourage you to take what's called the fruit of the Spirit inventory. Now, the fruit of the Spirit are, are all those things I just mentioned from Galatians chapter 5. I, I want to encourage you to take the fruit of the Spirit inventory. Uh, and you can find this online. Um, just type in the word Fruit of the Spirit Inventory, and you'll find multiple hits where you can uh, take it for free. They'll ask several questions. You'll just click through it, and then it will um, process your answers and show you your results. Now, I'm just encouraging you to do this and do this prayerfully uh, um, in uh, exercise of self-awareness and, and, and mindfulness to become aware of where God is at work in your life and to recognize there may be other areas and, and qualities and virtues in your life that, that need to be tended to. Okay, so let me summarize what we've covered so far and then wrap it up. The sluggard moves towards comfort and makes no progress. As a sluggard rolls over in bed, so a door turns on its hinges. Inadvertently, the diligent and faithful God-honoring servant is revealed. The servant moves towards what's best and progresses towards fruitfulness. So, uh, let me lead you in what I'm kind of calling like a, a, a guided meditation. Um, I'm going to ask you to imagine several things in the next uh, several moments. In your mind's eye, I want you to, to imagine this first thing, and that is, uh, you know, uh, many of us had gym memberships prior to COVID, um, and some of us still may have. I want you to imagine that you, you're going to the gym like on a, on a Monday evening, um, and you're, every gym that I know has the cardio room, right? You've got the Stairmaster, and you've got uh, bicycles, stationary bicycles, and, and you've got the treadmills. 
imagine it's a Monday evening, there's a lot of people there, and right, there's people on the treadmills, and they're just, they're walking, right, the little TVs, the, the screen light on their, they're like zombies, and they're just walking and rocking, and if you think about it, it's kind of funny, because there's a lot of movement, but in actuality, they're not going anywhere. Now, I'm going to make this even more absurd. Imagine a treadmill, and I want you to imagine a slug on a treadmill. You walk into the room and there's a slug on a treadmill. If you looked at it, slugs move so slowly, right? Like, if you walked into the room, it would look as if nothing is happening. So, the first image I want you to put in your mind, right, and it's funny, is a slug on a treadmill. In contrast, I want you to imagine something else. Imagine that you're hiking. You're hiking up a mountain. You're, you're on a single track, you're, you're hiking along, and I want you to imagine, you, you know, you look on, on one side, you're looking up to the mountain, to the top of the mountain, and there may be uh, trees and, and wildflowers and, and so forth. You may look down and see some of the progress you've made. You're walking along and you're hiking towards the top of the mountain. Now, Instead of success being defined as making the summit, I want you to imagine that, that success is actually defined by the direction that you're headed and whether or not you're making progress in that direction. And I want you to imagine something else. Imagine that you're hiking along and imagine that you aren't alone. You are surrounded by other like-minded people you can even further imagine that their progress and their success relies on your progress and your success. And guess what? Your success and your progress relies on their progress and their success. Now, let me ask you this. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be a slug on a treadmill or would you rather be a progressing, faithful servant? Let's pray. Uh, loving God, of course, we want to honor you with our lives. And uh, we openly confess that there are times that um, we get off course um, and that we place our comforts in things that are not of you. And um, for many of us, uh, we have learned the hard way, uh, the hurt of what that can mean for our lives and for the lives of those around us. And so, Lord, we once again turn again to you, uh, seeking and, and eagerly wanting to be the faithful servant. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into our lives to indeed Help us prune away those things uh, that are self-destructive in our lives and destructive to others. And, and please, by your power of your Holy Spirit at work within each and every one of us, cultivate those fruit of the Spirit that by doing so, we would um, reflect your love for us, that we would reflect your kingdom and your light in a dark world. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
joining us this weekend in worship. And now receive the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and give you peace. Go as faithful servants of God. Amen.